the service this morning. All right, what we're going to talk about this morning is affliction to abundant joy. Affliction to abundant joy. Uh, uh, There's no doubt about it, we'll get into a couple of things in just a moment, that every single person at times goes through difficult, horrible affliction. And we're going to see what the Apostle Paul went through, some tough times that he went through and others, and basically how God wants to give you joy through that. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13, and we'll get started. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because the Spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete the grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for a great morning already. Thank you for uh, the worship time and the musicians. Thank you for the wonderful uh, a reminder that the King of Kings is indeed coming. Lord, what a wonderful truth that is. And Father, I pray now that as we open up this precious Word of God, as we go through and look at some of the tough times, the afflictions that we may face down here on this earth, help us to turn those afflictions into putting our mind centered on you where we can find great joy even as we sojourn on this earth so father we commit this to you we ask as always that you'd revive the saved saved any lost in jesus precious name amen well a couple of questions to get us thinking about this morning have you ever heard the statement misery loves company misery loves company uh uh, uh there's there's folks and there's people that uh, uh boy i mean it, it's just tough and and they're always seeming to be in agony everything is a problem and it's just constant misery and uh, uh, folks like that usually are looking for others that'll latch right on the woman and, and uh, take part in misery with them they don't want to hear something positive they don't want to hear something good they just uh, I mean it's just a, a negative horrible life if you will I, I don't know how people can live like that uh, but there are people that do and uh, a constantly down, constantly negative, never seen the good in things. Uh, the, the old adage, uh, uh, do you see the glass half full or half empty? Well, I mean, sometimes uh, there there's never seems to be not even half full. It's like it's always empty. And uh, uh, misery does love company. Well, on the opposite spectrum, how do you feel when you're around a joyous, positive person? Those are the people I like to be around, and I trust you do too. Uh, the folks that are in misery need your help, but uh, the folks that are positive and joyful, I mean, boy, it, it's like you go to work or you go to school or you come to church even, and, and it's like, man, I can't wait to see so-and-so because, boy, they're always in a good mood. They're always happy. They always got a smile on their face. I don't know if they're faking it or making it, but, boy, I just like to be around them uh, because they're always positive, and they make me happy when I see them. And, and, and there's these two polar opposites at times. Well, how do you think people feel when they're around you? Say, oh, okay, now the steel-toed shoes come out. How do people feel when they're around you? Are they excited? Are they happy? Do they feel comfort and being able to uh, are comfortable being able to share some of the deepest things and, and problems that they go through? Or 
the opposite. You see, when we talk about the church that God's love is building, how important it is that at all times we're able to display an attitude of love. Now it's never saying you can't get upset, never saying you can't sorrow. I dared, I'm treading lightly this week, was a tough week. One of my dear friends that I served with in the sheriff's office for some 30 years, you, if you saw in the news about a week ago, a little over a week ago, she actually passed away uh, beginning of August, his wife, 49 years old, out swimming in Harrington Beach, and uh, appears that the riptide caught her, pulled her under, and her body was pulled under. They couldn't find her for seven days, seven days. She's an avid swimmer, an avid boater, super athlete. I went to the funeral a couple of days ago. Massive amount of people there. I don't think I've ever, outside of almost like a dignitary, I mean, it was a big church and just flowers everywhere. I looked as people came by and gave their condolences, and I came up to her husband, my dear friend, and he buried his face inside of my coat and just sobbed uncontrollably. Horrible time. Tragedy. His heart's broken. I believe he's a believer in Christ, but when you go through something like that and your spouse all of a sudden is taken from you, and some in this room have gone through the very same thing, and it's, and it's tough and it's hard, what do you do with that? I was so happy he felt comfortable enough to bury his head in my shirt and just cry uncontrollably for a few minute or so dozens of people standing around. And folks, that's sometimes, and he was always a positive guy and still is positive, but can you just imagine the heartache that you go through when something like that happens? How do people feel when they're around you? How do you want people to feel when they're around you? Do you want to bring joy to people's lives? Do you want them to experience, if you will, the joy of knowing Jesus that we should all have? Or do you want them when they see you to want to walk the other way? I hope it's the first, and I know most of you that would be the case, or we wouldn't be growing like we are, and God's people wouldn't keep going out and bringing others in, and it's so important. But these are the tough parts of Christianity. It's a tough part about being who we are. It's a tough part that sometimes you may be the one whose heart is broken and sorrowful and afflicted, and you need some comfort at times, but then God looks right back at us as he does in this passage. How do you find joy when you're going through the toughest times? Well, this morning we're going to examine the joy that comes regardless of, their, of the circumstances from those who love the Lord. Number one is uh, comfort in a good testimony. Second Corinthians chapter 7, Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort. Paul's saying, listen, Corinthian Christians, he is, and if you've been with us, we go verse by verse through books, and we're in, we've been going through Second uh, Corinthians. And if you recall all the difficulties that Paul had with that particular church, I mean, they gave that poor guy a run for his money. It was a tough church. It was a hard church. There was a lot of sin within that church. But now son Paul uh, had sent Titus and, and to go there, as we read a few minutes ago, and he's checking up on him. How's that? How's how those people doing out over there? How's that church going? Uh, are they serving the Lord? Are, are are their hearts right with God? How do they feel towards me? Speaking of Paul, because boy, they gave Paul a really really hard time, and, and he's seeking to find out. And he, and he starts out with this passage. He says, "Therefore, <laughs> we've been comforted in your comfort." In other words, the, uh, they, they, they were finding comfort in Christ. They were moving ahead for the cause of Christ. And Paul says, boy, that makes me happy. That gives me great comfort to know that God's people are moving in the right direction. Well, he says, and we rejoice because uh, uh, exceedingly. In other words, he said, woo, we had a hallelujah fit. 
He just got through listening to Larry and Dave, and he said, Woo, that's good stuff. And he's like, I got this letter from uh, 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 Titus, and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus. He goes there, he checks on the people, and he comes back with a super report because his spirit has been what? It's refreshed. Refreshed. I love the psalm. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, O Lord. I mean, uh, uh, you go out and, and you're tired and you're hurt and, and you're worn down, and all of a sudden you come to the, uh, uh, the water, you come to that pure water, and you, you, you reach down and, or you put your face in that little pool of water, and all of a sudden you get a little refreshment, and boy, oh boy, it just revives you, and, and you're refreshed by it. And, and Paul says, listen, uh, uh, the joy of Titus, boy, what his, he went to see you folks. And he was at your church and with your people, and he went to your fellowship time, and he was just ecstatic and happy because of the joy and the walk that you had with the Lord. Verse 14, he says, For if anything I, Paul, have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. He's like, whew, I've been telling Titus, kind of tongue-in-cheek, that uh, you guys are... Are good guys. You're doing, the, you're doing the right thing. You're moving in the right direction. You're serving the Lord like you should. You're loving people like you should. You're reading the Bible like you should. You're telling other folks about Christ like you, you should. And he says, I kind of was hoping that was the case, but i be honest, I wasn't sure. But he said, listen, I, I can be sure now because boy, Titus went there and what a great report he had about God's people. And he says, no, I'm not ashamed. He says, but as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so, our boasting to Titus was found true. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he's thankful for that, and he's happy, and, and he's thrilled to death that uh, that church is moving forward in a totally pagan, rotten place. First thing I did this uh, this morning, my I get uh, news alerts and so forth, like many of you, on my little cell phone. And uh, let's see, 14th and Burnham last night, Milwaukee, nine people shot. Nine people shot. And boy, apparently a lot of you didn't see that yet based on the response. Nine people shot. Folks, that's just up the street. I mean, that's uh, probably 15 minutes from where I live, probably half an hour to 45 for most of you. And uh, you look at the, the difficulties that are taking place and the problems that exist and the murders that are happening on a daily basis around the country. And people are looking for you. They're really looking for the Lord, but they don't know that yet. But you're the only ones that have the answer. You're the only ones that know Jesus Christ. You as well as other churches that have Bible-believing Christians in them. And as I keep saying over and over and over and over to pound the thought in, Pew and Barna Research, 96% of all people on this earth don't know Christ. They don't have a biblical worldview. We're a handful of people in a big, big, big world of 8 billion people. And people need help. They need comfort. And Paul says, uh, I'm so happy that, that you've got a, a good testimony. He says, and his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Uh, I, I don't really understand why they were in fear and trembling, but uh, here comes Titus. They know he's a messenger from who? Paul and they're like we need to be on our best behavior guys here's coming uh, here's Paul's spy <laughs> and uh, Titus comes in and they're like okay let's 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 show them what we're made of here folks let's 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 do it right and they did do it right and they received him and, and they were happy and Titus brought I mean he they just brought joy to him he was happy and thrilled because he walked into this church and, and it was wonderful Last night I was at an event, and there's a, a, um, a couple that was sitting. I didn't know who they were, and I saw them sitting by somebody I did know. So I walked over. I sat, pulled up a chair like I owned the place, which I didn't, and uh, <laughs> sat down with them and uh, started talking to the two people I know, and, and then the, the couple across the table from them uh, started talking about Tennessee. And I'm like, well, the people that are here, they, they're connected to Tennessee, 
I go to Tennessee at least once or twice a year. And uh, it's like, well, this is a great start. And I started to talk to them, and uh, I found out, boy, they were good, solid Bible-believing Christians. Uh, I have a church down, I believe it's in the Knoxville area. And uh, I like that because I like going to Knoxville. And uh, they just started talking. And uh, I said, you don't, you don't know me from Adam. And they said, oh, yes, we do. And I'm like, uh-oh. And uh, they said, yeah, we, uh, we know about the, the ministry. We know about Prosy Focus Ministry and the radio and TV and all that stuff. And, and we started talking. And they said, you know, our pastor back in Knoxville said, listen, if people aren't talking about current events and Bible prophecy and about what's taking place in America and the world right now, they're not a good pastor. And I'm like, okay, is that a hint? Or uh, 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 But they said, no, they said, we, we appreciate what uh, Union Grove Baptist Church and Prophecy Focus Ministries does. And you know what? I never met these folks before. Nice couple, really nice. And... Uh, uh, the, the man I found out, I don't know, Jim's here somewhere, but they worked with Jim uh, when they were up here, Jim uh, Jamel. And uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful couple. And I'd never met them before. And all of a sudden we're like best buddies. You know why? Because they know the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they know Christ. Holy Spirit dwells in them. Same page, singing the same song. Not as good as these guys. But uh, uh, the bottom line is there's this camaraderie. There's this uh, uh, thing that happens. Listen, folks, when I, when I go to another church, I was in uh, Green Bay two weeks ago speaking at a prophecy conference on a, on a Saturday. By the way, they did invite me to speak on Sunday, but I did not go there on Sunday. I came back here, right where I belong. Uh, but I spoke four times on Saturday. And uh, uh, the people... I mean, it was, I mean, they baby me, they shower me with love and all that kind of stuff. It's embarrassing, quite frankly, but uh, uh, why? I mean, boy, instant connectivity. You go to any church where they believe the Word of God, where the Holy Spirit's indwelling the people, and you walk in and it's just like you've known them for all your life, just like happened uh, uh, yesterday at the event I was at. Uh, when God's people are, are walking with God, they're on fire for God, they're uh, uh, doing the right things when they're in tune with God, when the Holy Spirit is filling them and they're doing the right things, man, it's just, bam, it's instant love, instant connectivity. And his affections are greater for you, Corinthian Christians, as he, Titus, remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Paul says, therefore, what? I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. God looks at the, uh, or Paul looked at the church at Corinth. And he says, you know, I, I, I've been there. I've preached. I, I, he wrote them some really nasty letters about their behavior. And now Titus comes and he's like, wow, that was a tough goat. But praise the Lord, they're moving forward for the Lord. Their testimony is phenomenally good to the point where they're just bringing joy to people. And that's what God wants. Then he says, verse 8, he says, moreover, who? Brethren. Now, you'll see it. One thing, and uh, actually, I'm not going to point them out, but uh, I really got into this thing where there's no study Bible on earth written. And I got... Phew, Way too many. There's no study Bible on earth that I've come across that goes through every single pronoun and identifies who it is. So by the way, I'll be coming out with a study Bible someday, um, Mike, because of that. I had made a, I won't say an error, but I wasn't clear on something several weeks ago. And I, the, the question came, well, Basically, who's being talked about here? Who are these people? And why? how does that affect the specific pronoun? And it was like, okay. So you'll notice, and I'm starting to do this now, when, uh, who is you? Well, let's see. The you happens to be directly speaking about who? The Corinthian Christians at this point. So you're going to see that I'm, and I've done this the last several weeks because of that, it's like it's so easy when we get into a passage and we start reading, and I mean, there's a lot, a lot of pronouns that are used in Scripture. 
But if we don't remember the context, it's very easy to forget who's being spoken about. So uh, you'll see a little bit more of that, and now you know why. But uh, Paul says, moreover, brethren, uh, let's see, brethren are who? These would be believers. These are individuals that have placed their faith and trust in Christ. They're his brothers, if you will, and sisters in Christ. Moreover, Christian or brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I'm not going to get into a, a geographical concept here, but uh, bottom line, if, uh, we're looking on a map. Here we have Israel. you got the Mediterranean Sea, and then over up in the, the left corner in the Mediterranean Sea would be Macedonia. And, but here's the interesting thing. In verse 2, he says that in a great trial of what? Affliction. Paul's saying when we went to Macedonia, it was anything but fun. And we're going to go through a couple of those things. While Paul was in Macedonia, when he was doing his missionary journeys, he would have great fruit, but he would also have great affliction. If you'll recall, when he went up to Philippi, in Acts chapter, I believe, 16, he's up in Philippi. Uh, some folks come to Christ. Some folks get baptized, but uh, let me see. The most probably one of the most uh, well-known uh, uh, accounts in Scripture is of the Philippian. Starts with a J. What is it? Philippian jailer. Well, wait a minute. Why does a jailer get a big spot in Scripture? Well, who is in jail? Yeah, Paul and who? Paul and Silas. They're arrested. Paul and Silas preaching the word of God. Uh, they, the, the, the folks get upset with them. They give false charges against them. Basically, they're causing a disturbance and they're going against the Jewish people and all these trumped-up charges. No pun intended with that word, by the way. And uh, some of you will get it. And uh, the bottom line is they throw Paul and Silas in jail for preaching the Word of God is really why they were thrown in. And if you remember, Paul and Silas are inside jail. They're, they're in uh, uh, chains, and they're starting to, to sing hymns and praises. And uh, all of a sudden, they got a little revival meeting going on in the jail. And uh, what happens? Well, God delivers them, and all of a sudden, a little earthquake, and all of a sudden, the chains fall off, and Paul and Silas start to walk out of the jail. And what does the jailer do? falls on his face. Yeah, he's going to kill himself because they're, they're, they're escaping. The, the inmates are going to get away. And Paul and Silas uh, say, don't, don't worry, we're right here. Jailer falls on his face and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to go to heaven? And it's a great story, except the next, if you go through the next couple of paragraphs, Paul and Silas had to, were, uh, uh, had to be rushed out of Philippi. They go down to uh, Thessalonica. They preach there a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, they get in so much trouble with the Jewish people there and those that hated Christians uh, uh, because it was something they hated and didn't want in their city, uh, uh, they, they had to rush Paul and Silas, or Paul, out of Thessalonica before they killed him. He goes down to Berea. There's a good group of, uh, there's a good Bible church down there that had gotten started. And, and they're, they're thrilled to death to hear the words of Paul, and they're searching the Scriptures daily to find out if what he's saying is true. And all of a sudden they say, Paul, we've got to get you out of here. They're going to kill you if you stay here one more night. And they do. They rush him out of town so he doesn't get killed. Folks, that's the way it was. In Macedonia and every other place that Paul went. He'd come in, he'd see the believers, or he'd win folks to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. They'd come to Jesus, but boy, oh boy, the opposition around them was horrific. Now folks, some of you are like, well, you know, I go to work and they don't like me because I'll say something about Christ. Or maybe I'll, I'll go to my family and, and I'll try and tell them about Christ and they get upset with me and they don't like it. How would you like it that they ran you out of town for it? I mean, literally, run him out of town. So he says, listen, with a, a great trial of affliction, I, I've gone through tough times. Uh, you know the statements about Paul. He was beat up. He was uh, 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 basically left for dead from stoning, shipwrecked, naked, and in peril all through every single thing he did. Great affliction, tough times. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You don't understand what I'm going through right now. I'm going through affliction. I'm going through tough times. 
yesterday, and uh, I see uh, Jim and Ricky here today. I went to see uh, Jim's mother-in-law, Ricky's grandmother, Sarah's mom. Many of you here know Nancy Ganzel, and uh, she's she was at home, barely hanging on. We had a sweet talk. I'm not going to tell what that talk is today. I'm sure I'm going to share that in the future. How many of you remember, and I'm not looking for hands, but many of you remember Nancy Ganzel, one of the sweetest ladies on earth, loves the Lord with all her heart. I'm going to share one thing that she said this morning. I'll share the rest at another time. The amount of breasts that she has are numbered. And the one thing she was concerned about, like, well, what is she going to be concerned about? And it, it took a long time for her to get it out. That sweet lady, who has put joy in my heart every time I see her, always talking about the Lord, you know the one thing I wish I could have done more of, Let's tell more folks about Jesus. I mean, I'm sure my mouth dropped open. I wish I could have told more people about Jesus. And I did the best I could to try and assure her that her life was gold to me. how many folks she encouraged over her life, how many times she had shared the gospel with people, and yet she was still concerned. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? Wow. Now that's a testimony. Last thing that we would discuss that day, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? Have I told enough people about him? And I tried to assure her that she sure had a positive place in my heart. Well, he says that in great trial of affliction, out of it comes what? The abundance of joy. Ah, it's tough, and it's hard, and, and, and getting out there and getting the, the work done, going to the mission field, going to wherever you go here, and, and it's tough, and it's hard, and there's pushback, and sometimes harsh pushback. And yet he said, listen, Paul says, out of great affliction, it was tough, it was hard, I was disrespected, I, I was done everything but killed, and people gave me the toughest of times. <clears throat> but Paul says what? Out of great affliction comes the abundance of joy. And Paul says, it's all for Christ. I, I consider all that rubbish. I consider the tough times I went through. It's all good. I praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how tough it got because I have great abundance of joy. And all God's people said, I mean, folks, it's about abundance of joy. Joy. I wish I could sing. I'd sing there's joy in serving Jesus right now. I wish. <laughs> I don't want to run the crowd out. But there's joy in serving Jesus. Joy! You say, well, I don't have much joy. Well, then you're not probably serving Jesus. I love that little poem, Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others, Lord, that I might live like the others. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to serve or to be served messed it up Jesus did not come into the world to be served but to do what serve. to serve and to give his life a ransom for many folks there's joy in serving Jesus and uh, it's like boy it's hard it's tough it is it is yeah you're right it is tough uh, it's hard when people give me a hard time uh, and they don't seem to uh, want to cooperate and make me happy. And Jesus said, well, not a whole lot of people on earth are here to make him happy either. <laughs> they only killed him. They only whooped him. They only tore his clothes off. 
They only beat him with a cat of nine tails until he was almost dead. Stuck a crown of thorns on him. Spit at him. You ever been spit on? I have. Remember, I've worked in a jail for way too many years. On the street too many years. Yeah, you get spit on. Don't like it. Do you? Of course not. Paul, Paul, Paul says, listen, uh, great affliction, great trials, great tough. I mean, just tough. It was hard. And he says, but boy, I got abundance of joy now. Praise the Lord. It was all worth it. Here's another song. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Ah, boy, you guys just got the songs going in my head this morning. Uh, abundance of joy. Well, how about the, uh, he says, here's, here's what it resulted in. Now, I want to be very, very careful here especially for visitors. We're going to talk in this passage, and it just fits into this passage. One thing you'll notice, do we ever take a normal offering in this church? We don't. We don't do it. You say, well, how do you pay the bills? There's boxes out the back, and people just decide to put money in them, enough to pay the bills and then some. So it's like you screaming and yelling at people about giving money? Nope. Do you do fundraisers? Nope. Nope. The only thing we take an offering for here is what's called a deacon offering, which we do once a month where every dime that comes in we give to somebody else. It's not for this church. It's for others. Others. So when we're going through this, I want you to keep that in mind. This isn't about trying to raise money right now. This is about trying to rejoice in the grace of giving. And he's talking about the grace of giving your resources. So let's look at it. Then in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, poverty, poor, not a lot of money. They were in deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their what? Here comes, you remember that? You counted the little widow and she... She's searching her pockets. She's got nothing. And all of a sudden, she finds a little widow's mite, a little penny in our word. And she goes to the temple treasury, and she puts in everything that she owns, that little teeny penny. Did God commend her for that? Big time. You go to Israel today, those little stinkers, they sell widow's mites for big bucks, and they make them out of necklaces, and they re, I mean, you have one, Valerie's got one on if you want to see what it looks like. I heaven knows what I paid for that penny widow's mite, but, uh, <laughs> but he's like, wow, did, did you guys just see what she did? That's all she's got, and she just gave everything she's got to the Lord. And he says, listen, out of, out of their deep poverty, they abounded in the liberality of giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that, would, that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. What did they say? They're like, bless God, we love you. We want to see that you're taken care of. And they just gave. And they gave uh, uh, not according to their poverty, but boy, they just gave more and more to, to try and help the, the ministry. And, and folks, see, it's, it's, it's the grace of giving. It's the joy of giving. Now, let me make it very clear, and, and I'm pounding this point on purpose. We are not a, pros, a prosperity gospel church. That's a that's, that's, uh, uh, false doctrine. You say, well, what? Some of you don't even know what that is. Good. But the ones, those of you that do know what, pros, pros, if I can say it, I can't even say it. Prosperity gospel. That's where pastors, TV evangelists, others get up and say, listen, you give me $100, I'll guarantee you, you'll have 1000 next week because God will give it. That's, that's not, that's a lie from, uh, uh, it's just a lie. Now, God may decide to, to uh, 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 wonderfully bless you, but if you, if you give one dime in this church and expect God to give you a dollar back, um, that's not how it works. God says, listen, uh, it's, it's the grace of giving. It, it, it's you give out of uh, your generosity and you give as God has blessed you. And, and, and you do it because you love the Lord and you want to see uh, the ministry move forward. That's why we give. 
You say, well, how much should I give? Well, how much do you believe you should give? How much will be, make you a cheerful giver? That's, that's, and, and you're like, well, the Old Testament says everybody gave a tenth. That's true. It was under all Old Testament law. Everybody was required to give a tenth of everything they had. Uh, do we live under the Old Testament today? We don't. So, uh, and I'll just tell you, and I haven't gone through this in a long time, but this is what I do. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just telling you what I do. So based on Old Testament law, out of when they were under law, not under grace, they gave 10%. Well, I'm like, if they had to do that and they weren't happy about it, they were forced to do it, I think I can at least do that. So we start with, and, and again, I'm not demanding, I'm not telling you, I'm not preaching about a tithe, even though I think it's a great place to start. And that's where Valerie and I start. That's where we've all sta- always started. But the Bible makes it clear. Paul says, listen, when you give, do it out of abundance of joy. Give because you want to give. And I won't tell you what we give, but I'll guarantee you it's a whole lot more than 10%. Why? Because we love the Lord. Because we want to see the ministry move forward. We want to see things happen. Now, again, that's between you and God. We don't, and some of you come out of, out of churches where, I mean, somebody would show up at your door. And they'd say, well, how much, how much are you going to pledge this, this year? Don't you dare tell me what you're going to pledge. I don't want to know. You pledge to God, not to Pastor Rich or a deacon or anyone else here. You say, well, Pastor, I bet you know what every single person in this church gives. I don't know what anybody gives, and I've made it very clear to those that do the treasury work, don't you dare ever show me a list. Don't you ever dare tell me about one dime that comes in here and where it came from. I don't want to know. You say, well, why is that? I don't want money to influence my leadership. This isn't a political position. This is a a, a position that God gave me to help people, and it has nothing to do with money. Are we on the same page, folks? I mean, it's important. And and I make a little bit of a deal out of it. Why? Because so many people have, and and boy, they come. And and, before they'll decide to be part of this church, and they're like, well, how do you handle money? And they want to know, and rightly so. And they deserve to know. Folks, just like we did at the last business meeting, the entire ledger was given to you. And if anybody has questions at the next business meeting, you bring them, and we'll answer them. And I demand, if I can demand anything, transparency. We've got to have it, folks, uh, uh, in order for the cause of Christ. But here's what he's saying. He said, out of their deep poverty, it abounded in, even though they were poor, they didn't have much. They gave greatly because they loved God. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we, we were just, would you take this? Folks, I, you ever get somebody, and some of you may have had this, some of you maybe, somebody will come and they'll, they'll give a gift. And uh, usually when I'm on the road, on occasion, it rarely happens, but on occasion, uh, somebody really enjoys the ministry, and they'll come up and say, hey, we, we want you to have this. We really do. Now, folks, first of all, I want to make it clear again. I have never taken one dime out of Prophecy Focus Ministries as a salary or as a um, hourly thing, not a dime. Everything that comes in goes right back into ministry. But somebody will come up and they'll give us a very generous amount of money and, and it's like, well, praise the Lord. But it's kind of, it, it's almost embarrassing to take it. It's like, but they want to give it and they want to give it bad. And, and it's like you don't want to rob them of the blessing of giving and we take it and we put it into uh, the ministry and are so thankful when things like that take place even though uh, at times we feel embarrassed but I've had people say listen when somebody gives something don't deprive them of the blessing of giving and boy they're they're exactly right and we don't want to do that so when somebody's generous just take it thank the Lord for it and uh, it's wonderful what else does he say? Uh, the abundance of joy. He said, it's the grace of giving your resources. Not out of compulsion, but willingly because you love the Lord. You want to see his ministry grow. Secondly, even more important than the resources, he said, the grace of giving yourself. Verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, 
but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Wow. <laughs> Corinthian Christians, first what did they do? They come to Christ, they give themselves to the Lord. Don't get any better than that. Folks, you know where my joy comes from? Seriously. Sunday morning, when I walk in here, and I start to see you folks coming into this place, that's where my joy comes from. I, I mean, it really does. And, and, and I start to think about you. And, 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 I mean, Valerie and I, I think probably every Sunday, we'll say, well, you know, we, we saw so-and-so, and boy, and we, we will share some things that we heard and uh, try and encourage each other. And, and then, then, you know what the next thing we do is after we figure out who was here? We start figuring out who wasn't here. And, uh, 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 and then it's like, well, you know, and, and I know so-and-so, they went on vacation this week, and so-and-so's down at a business meeting, and, so, and, and we'll start to go through things, and it's like, well, wait a minute, where was, and, and folks, we, we do miss people. Uh, if everybody was here, we're well over 300 people that attend here now. So on occasion, and, and you short people, I have to stand up more so I can see it. But uh, in all seriousness, you know, sometimes we miss folks. It's like, well, where's so-and-so been? I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. And uh, uh, we'll make a call or send a card or something and uh, send a text. It's, how you doing? Making sure somebody isn't sick or uh, uh, something's wrong. Uh, but, boy, there's, there's joy in seeing the people. And he says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. What a wonderful thing. God's people, boy, and I'm, I mean, it's the family of God. It, it truly is, and boy, it's so meaningful. And he said, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Oh, we love God's people. Oh, we love uh, uh, the Corinthian church. Well, I love Union Grove Baptist Church. I do. I love it. And that's why I'm here, because uh, the church is not the building, by the way. It's the people in the church. I like the building. It's wonderful. It's a tremendous property. But the church means nothing if you're not here. It's just a building then. But it's a church made up of God's people who love the Lord and serve the Lord and love each other. And boy, that, that's what makes all the difference. Well, finally, he says this. He says, but as you abound in everything, you abound in faith. Every week we talk about faith from Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through what? It's through faith. Folks, it's faith that binds us together. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, you abound in your faith. You abound in speech. Now, I don't think he meant that you talk a lot. <laughs> your speech is seasoned with grace. It's helpful. It's encouraging. When, when, when you walk into the room and... Uh, uh, 90% of the time, unless maybe you're going through a, a really difficult situation you might need some help with, and, and your speech is filled with grace, and you're helping others, and you're serving others, and there's a smile on your face. And he said, acknowledge, you're learning the Word of God, you're increasing in the knowledge of the Word of God, and you're not biblically illiterate, but you know the Word in all diligence you're serving God with every fiber of your being. And he said, how about this? And you're increasing, you're abounding in your love for us. Your love for us. The church that what? God's love is building. Sacrificial love. Giving type of love. Helping people in need kind of love. See, Christian, that you abound in this grace also. Are you abounding in love for others? When you walk in the room, the people go, hey, there's so-and-so. Good to see. Boy, I just love being around them. They're always, they got something good to say. I, I I've talked about this person many a time who's with the Lord now, Dave Rubritis, one of my mentors. Dave Rubritis was considerably older than me by a good probably 40 years. And Dave loved the Lord. 
I had written a track years ago. Dave had given out somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 of those tracks. That was his life. And he witnessed, 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 witnessed to every single person he possibly could. And every time I see Dave, my heart would just be thrilled because I knew he's going to tell me something wonderful. He's going to... He was a brittle diabetic. You know what a brittle diabetic is? It means that at any moment his, his blood sugar is way out of whack. Horrible. He was blind because of the diabetes. Blind. Couldn't see. As he got up in years, he could barely move. Had to be led around when he could get up. And yet every time I'd go to his home, every time I'd see him at church, there's nothing but joy. Blind, lame, diabetic to where constantly working on how much insulin to give or not to give. Horrible condition. Hey, Rich, let me tell you about who I told the... I, 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 was, out, I was out at the, uh, uh, the store today, and, and Janet, his wife, she, she helped me get there. And uh, I got to tell the guy at the cash register about Christ and gave him a tract, and I showed him how to get saved. I mean, that's every time. Now, we all won't be like Dave. But can we all love like Dave? Can we all serve others like Dave? Can we all have a smile on our face like Dave? May I suggest we can. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. He who has the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he who does not have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The vast majority of every person in this room has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you were to die, do you go to heaven? Are you expressing the joy of Jesus in everything you do? If you're here this morning, listen carefully now and we'll close. I don't know who you are, but there's people in this room right now that if you died, you have no clue if you go to heaven. Maybe your first time here. You may have been coming here for a long period of time. And you don't know if you're to die right now that you go to heaven. Would you listen carefully? I'm going to tell you exactly from the Bible. Not Union Grove Baptist Church. Not a church constitution. Not some liturgy. Here's what God's Word says. Would you open up your heart for two minutes and we'll be done. The Bible says, number one, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. I'm a sinner. hate to tell you. I'm not trying to be unkind, but you're a sinner too. We're all sinners. Sin is anything that's disobedient to what God wants. And the Bible says that because we've sinned, if you got what you deserve, if I got what I deserve, we'd all burn in an awful place called the lake of fire for eternity. Revelation 21.8. Not good news. Do I have your attention? Third thing God says, though, is the good news. That Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead to prove that he was God. Why did God come down from heaven, take on the form of a human being, die, and rise again? One reason and one reason only, because he loves you. He loves you so much that he said, I will give my life to pay for your sin. And it is the only way you can go to heaven is through what Jesus did for you. You say, well, wait a second. What do I need to do? One thing. The Bible makes it very clear. For God so loved the world, that's each one of us, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him and his what? In his death, his burial, and his resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, should not perish or go to hell, but have everlasting life. Listen, how'd you like to walk out here this morning knowing for sure that when you die, when you breathe your last, that you go to heaven? Would you receive that free gift this morning? Let's pray. Father, I pray now that as we think about what the Apostle Paul gave to us in his beautiful passage, to serve others, to help others, to forget ourselves, and to serve others, to be a light 
in a dark, dark world. Lord, would you help each one of us this morning to make a decision that we're going to be light from this moment forward. We're going to stop complaining. We're going to stop criticizing. We're going to stop backbiting. We're going to stop being the antithesis of what God wants us to be. And we're going to change our attitude and serve with love and grace and be a blessing to others. If you're here this morning, did God speak to you? Is the Lord saying, listen, how's your attitude been? Do we need to have a check this morning? If the Lord's working in your heart, if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart, would you get right with the Lord right there where you are? Would you ask Him to help you to be a blessing and not a disturbance to people? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's even right here. Do you need the joy of Jesus? Why don't you ask Him for it this morning? For those that are here watching on the internet that have never placed their faith and trust in Christ, you don't know when we started this service. You didn't know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. Well, the gift is waiting for you this morning. God wants to give it to you, and you can take it. The Bible says, For by grace, God's free and merited gift, are you saved, saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God not of our works, lest any person should boast. Right there where you are, would you receive that free gift of eternal life? You say, how do I do it? It's by faith. Just believe on Jesus right there where you are. Receive that free gift of eternal life through placing your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and take his promise. If you'll do that, heaven will be your home. Father, I pray now for every single person on the Internet, maybe some right here in this room, that need to place their faith and trust in Christ. Would the Holy Spirit please move in in their hearts this very moment? And would you who know you need to respond to Jesus right now, would you by faith receive that free gift? Say, Brother Rich, I did. I'm receiving that free gift. I'm taking the free gift of eternal life by placing my faith and trust in Him and what Jesus did for me. Well, i got to tell you, that's the happiest news I'll ever hear. How about let's thank God for what just happened when you received that free gift by faith. I'm going to say a little prayer. The prayer is not what saves you. It's simply thanking God for what just happened in your heart. Maybe you would like to silently pray something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I knew that when I walked in here this morning or when I turned on this program this morning. I knew that. And quite frankly, I I, I wasn't sure. I, I, I thought because I was a sinner that I don't deserve to go to heaven. And I've been trying to work my way there, but it isn't working. But I finally get it, that I just needed to place my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me because Jesus paid it all through his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm receiving that free gift of eternal life this morning. Thank you for saving me and promising to take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning or on the Internet, and you placed your faith and trust in Christ, I'll be standing at the back. Would you just come up to me, grab my hand, and say, "Uh, Pastor Rich, I I placed my faith and trust in Christ this morning, and I'll rejoice with you. If you're on the Internet watching today, uh, please write us here at uh, Union Grove Baptist Church.